standard version. It says, now one of the Pharisees was requesting Jesus to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she had learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of a person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which, one, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet, her, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I think this is a remarkable story, one of my favorites in the Bible. It's obviously about a, a story of a woman who Jesus said was forgiven much. And she came, and we see how she extravagantly worshipped Jesus. And I would propose to you that her first encounter with Jesus was not there at that, in that home, but she had a previous encounter with him before. And I believe that because something happened where she experienced the grace and the love of God so much that she expressed that in this act that we, we see. Some theologians say that, that she was uh, Mary Magdalene, um, but we're not sure of that, who she is. She could be the lady, remember when, remember the lady who was caught in the very act of adultery? Remember that? This could have been that lady, and we know that that woman was about to be killed lawfully. Because they said, the Pharisees said, the law says anyone caught in adultery, they deserve to be stoned. And they were about to kill her. And they wanted to see what Jesus would say. And he said, of course, those of you without sin, throw the first stone. And then they did not condemn her. And then Jesus said, where are those that would condemn you? And she says, there are none. And then he said to her, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. He saved that woman's life because she should have been killed. And so whoever this woman is, the Bible says, and another translation says that she was a prostitute. And so she was, and you know, and it says she was a quote-unquote sinner. So she was someone who did not have a good lifestyle, who was notorious and known for sin, and yet she experienced the grace, the kindness, the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And as a result, she was so grateful 
because she knows or she knew what she deserved, but yet she was forgiven by the Savior. Some of you may be able to relate to her. Maybe your testimony is similar. Maybe you've come out of a really, really rough lifestyle. Rough past. Bad things happened to you. Maybe you made bad choices, whether it's addictions, drugs, uh, promiscuous lifestyle. You know, all that kind of stuff. And I don't know about you, but my favorite testimonies are the testimonies of those who had a crazy, horrific life and how God redeemed them. And now they're powerful, passionate men and women for the king. You guys know the kind of testimonies I'm talking about? You know, we hear of people who used to be murderers. They killed a bunch of people, were major gang guys or drug dealers. <clears throat> Did a whole bunch of bad stuff, and then they came to know Jesus. And then he saved them, changed their lives. Well, I love those kind of testimonies. My favorite back in the day when I was a new Christian was uh, the cross and the switchblade. Remember that? Um, about gangs and guys who were pretty bad. And I love hearing those kind of testimonies. I love, even to this day, I love hearing the testimonies of people who really experienced the amazing grace of God. And you know, I too have a testimony. You know, I was, uh, I was raised being sent to church. I wasn't raised in a church. I was raised being sent to church. My parents grew up in Christian homes, my mom and dad, but I did not grow up in a Christian home, if you know what I mean. They didn't bring those values that my grandparents had and taught them into our home. But my mom made sure that me and my brother went to church every Sunday. Of course, I was bored out of my mind. But the, what I look forward to, it depends on which Sunday it was of the month. But on the way, every Sunday morning, when we get on the bus, there was a nice, I'm not going to say fresh, but a nice, beautiful donut waiting for me. And it was wonderful. And on the way home, if it was the fifth Sunday, we had McDonald's burgers waiting for us as we got on the bus. So I was a happy camper going to Sunday school on certain months, certain weeks of the, of the month. So I grew up going to church, and I remember when I would go home with my, to stay with my grandmother over the summer because my mom was continuing her education, working on her master's and everything. So she'd send this to her, her, um, her parents. My parents were divorced, so uh, I was being raised in a single-parent home. But when we'd go to my grandmother's house, of course, we went to church all the time. And I remember between the age of 8 and 10 getting baptized. Um, I don't remember giving my life to Jesus, but I remember getting wet on a Sunday morning. I remember that. So I, I got baptized, didn't really understand what it was all about, grew up, and I remember going to a, a youth retreat at age 16 and had a great time checking out the young ladies, and all that with my friends, and, and had a great time playing sports and everything. And I remember the youth pastor shared, I don't remember what he said, except for, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And he began to, you know, lay that out and everything, and I thought, ooh. And, you know, he kind of laid it out. You know, if you leave, you could cross the street and a bus could kill you or something like that. And it's like, I don't want to do that. So I, I raised my hand, repeated the prayer. I felt good for a time, a few days, a couple of weeks maybe, and then I went back to living life the way I had before. So there was no change there. Then I went on to 
the greatest university on the planet. Go Pokes. <laughs> so I came here to Stillwater, Oklahoma State University, and I continued my routine of going to church on Sunday morning. And then every other day of the week, I did my own thing. But on Sunday, at least I repented. You know, you, you're crying. You're going up in the altar and you're crying, oh, God, forgive me. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then you leave and, and then you continue living your own lifestyle. That's what I did. And I remember there was this man named, this young man named John. I was a freshman. He was a senior. And John Coleman was um, an amazing guy. He was uh, kind of the, the all-American male, just a, a good-looking man, blonde hair, blue eyes, good build, comes from a very wealthy family, very wealthy, and he was the president of his fraternity. But John was passionate about Jesus. I had never in my life seen anything like this. You know how you, you hear people, or you, you hear people describing people, and you say, you know, he kind of glowed. You know, or she, she kind of glowed. Well, that's how, that's how John was. This dude, I'm not going to say he literally glowed, because I can't prove that, but he might as well. There was just something about this guy. Well, anyway, he took interest in me, kind of took me under his wing, and he kept inviting me to church. He said, hey, bro, come to church with me. I'm like, I'm good. I go to church already. And, but he just kept asking me over and over and over and over. And I realized, because all my excuses, I was running out of clever excuses. And so I realized the only way I'm going to get him to stop is to just go to church with him, be nice, get it over with, and then I can go back doing what I was doing. So I finally did. I went to church with him. One Sunday morning, and a friend of mine went with us. We go to church. It was a small little church, a little charismatic church. Some of you might remember the um, campus ministry called Maranatha. Anybody remember that? So that was the ministry they were meeting in Bennett Chapel back in the mid-'80s. And so I went to church with them, and it was nice. The people there were very friendly. The music was lively. When When I grew up going to church, Nobody seemed like they wanted to be there. You know, the, the scowl on their face, the, the very serious look. And I thought smiling in church was a sin. Because the way people didn't smile, and they were somber, and I thought that was being spiritual. But when I came to this church, this Maranatha church, everybody was happy. And they were excited. I thought, hey, maybe there's cheeseburgers coming after the service or something. <laughs> So anyway, it was, it, was, it was nice. The music was good. The preacher preached. I have no idea what he was saying. But I remember now I was a poor or not poor, broke college kid. Some of you might be able to relate to that status. I was teenager, broke, and hungry. Those are my three common status. I was always hungry, didn't have money, and I was a college kid. And I remember I had the kind of meal plan that uh, you only get, on Sundays, you get breakfast and lunch. They didn't serve dinner. So once lunch was over, if you didn't eat, you were, and didn't have any money, you were in trouble. So we'd go and eat lunch and eat a big lunch, you know, kind of carry enough to pack you until Monday morning. So I was very conscious of the time. The, the cafeteria closed at 1 o'clock. So I was very conscious of the time. And so I was listening to the preacher, keeping an eye on my watch. And so far, he was doing good. And so anyway, he preached this sermon afterwards. Uh, my friend responded to the altar call and gave his life to Jesus, which I was happy for him, but I was sad because that meant we had to stay there longer. And I was like, okay, Lord, you got about 15 more minutes before we got to go. 
And so anyway, then after he talked to Lewin, he called me up. He said, hey, CJ, can I visit with you for a second? I said, sure. So I go up, and, and he's talking to me. And he asked me a question. I don't remember what he was saying until he said, I have a question for you. And I said, yes. He said, are you ready to commit your life to Jesus 100%? I mean, dude didn't play around. And he didn't say, not, he said, not 99%, not 99.5, but 100%, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And at that moment, I had a flashback. You know how in movies, the main characters, there'll be a scene, all of a sudden they flash back and they'll go back like, it'll say 10 years previous or five years. Well, I flashed back about three or four months ago, past, previous. And because I was having, now, I enjoyed college. I loved it. I wasn't a depressed kid. I was very happy. I loved life. I was excited about college. I enjoyed it. So I wasn't any of that depressed or or hopeless, looking for answers. Although, I started having these thoughts that were just like, why are you here? Why are you alive? What happens if you die? What happens if you die tonight? You know, and, and thoughts like that, they just came out, I don't know where. Now I recognize what, those, what was going on. Holy Spirit was convicting me. Somebody must have been praying for me. And, but at the time, I didn't know what was going on. But those thoughts kept me up at night. I was afraid to go to sleep because of what if I didn't wake up. And so anyway, so I had those thoughts night after night after night after night. So that's what was going on the previous months. And then go back to the present, past. And when he said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus Christ 100%? And when he asked me that question, something or someone told me, Jesus is the answer to your questions. And when he said that, I told the pastor, yes, I am. If Jesus is the answer to the questions I've been having, then yes, that's who I'm ready to give my life to. And so I did right there. I prayed with him, gave my life to Jesus the best I could, 100%. And all of a sudden, this joy came on me. And somehow, by the conviction of God, I recognized that I deserved hell and judgment. I recognized that. I came under severe conviction. Now, if you notice, no part of my story, and that's kind of the, the Reader's Digest version, but nowhere in that story did I tell you anything about me being hooked to dr- on drugs, messing with gangs, killing anybody, you know, all those kinds of things. I didn't participate in any of that any of those activities. But when I was praying, I came under such conviction, I knew that I deserve hell. And then I, was, I realized, as the pastor was telling me, that Jesus paid the price for me who deserve hell. He took it on. He took all that for me so that I can have eternal life. And I became very grateful. And I was excited. And you might have heard of people saying that they couldn't stop smiling. You know, their cheeks begin to hurt. That's what I experienced for about three or four days. I could not stop smiling. And I had to keep working on my cheeks because it hurt so much. But I was so grateful and so excited. I was so in love with Jesus. Before I got saved, my main priority in life was money. That was my number one passion and priority. But when I became a Christian, all of a sudden it switched, and I just fell in love with Jesus. And I was doing good, wonderful learning. The pastor would come to my dorm and teach me from the word. And I was doing great until I came to the story that